Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Starting a cult, and we're back again for a brand new episode. It's I guess, true. It's true. That's Grant and I'm Jake. I guess technically the second episode of the year, if you can believe that. How about that? We are, we're well past three years now. Oh, yeah. We're, we're encroaching on four years, because you can't go back in time. You can only go forward That's in what time. they say, yeah. But we are back with a brand new episode for you guys today, and I, I'm going to go ahead and say this off the top. This episode is, uh, it's weird. It, it's, I don't know what the hell we're talking about. It's weird. It's very muddy and kind of, like, it, the best way to describe it is like a thick soup. Yeah. It's no, just, this is this is the porridge of topics. It's just there. So it's very, it, it, very it's viscous. a bit of a hybrid episode because it's, it's more of a laid back, like relaxing chit chat episode. But it's all going to be focused on one thing that has details and facts. It's true. And what is that one thing, Grant? So today, we are going to be talking about something called remote viewing. Remote viewing. Now, for RV those... for short. Like that great movie with Ice Cube. Wait, I thought Robin Williams was in RV. He also was. Wait, Ice Cube was I'm pretty in sure that? Ice Cube is in I'm going to look it up right now, actually. I just said that off the cuff, but I'm pretty sure Ice Cube is in RV. I was like, are you thinking, of, are we there yet? Because I know he was in that. Maybe. Um, but we are talking about remote viewing. And essentially, you know, before we actually get into the background on this topic, it, um, I want to give you a brief, brief description of kind of what we're dealing with here. I was completely wrong. Ice Cube, Ice Cube was not in RV, but RV, remote viewing, how about that? RV is sans Ice Cube, the film at least. Um, so essentially, in a very watered-down way, we're talking about, um, I guess if for the layman or the more local term, would be like ESP. Um, Something like that, yeah. Psychic readings. Essentially what it is, it it's in the title. You're yeah. able to view something... Without actually being there. You're yeah. able to use your mind and access either a point in time uh, or a point in the present that is not within your eyesight physically. Yeah, you can like pretty much just tell people what things are and where they are and how they're just like organized, that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, it It's very, very, very similar to... I mean, it's... I shouldn't even say similar. It is sort of a psychic ability. It's like clairvoyance. It's very close to clairvoyance, but it's just kind of done up with more rules, and it's more like, yeah, you do this, and then this, and then this, rather than like, oh, clairvoyance, uh, you got your own way of doing it. Yeah, so it, it kind of gets weird, um, but the reason we're not just talking about an idea here, uh, this is something that was studied and invested in monetarily, that is. Heavily. By the United States government as well as the Russian government. It's true. Um, so this is something that, at least in one point in time, was taken very seriously or thought to be, thought to be something that could really turn the tides uh, as far as war or 
international disagreements. No, it's one hundred percent true. I have a little synopsis at the beginning to like kind of give like a a brief little uh, definition. Perfect. Why don't you, you know? just jump right in? Because, this. like, yeah, I mean, after that, then I can go into it. You want to start the episode? I think we should. Let's I think do it's it. time to just right. take your swim trunks and get ready to dive. Cool, cool. Remote viewing, RV. Like I said, no ice cube. No ice um, cube. Yeah, it's the practice of seeking impressions about a distance, a distant or unseen target, purportedly sensing with the mind. Okay, so it's all in your mind there. Uh, the term was first suggested by uh, Ingo Swan during the experiments with the American Society of Physical Research, or Psychical Research, rather, uh, in 1971, and was later coined by physicist and parapsychologist researchers Russell Targ and Harold Putuf. Putuf. Putuf of the Stanford Research Institute. The term was created to distinguish the practice from the very closely related clairvoyance, like I said, uh, to the skeptics, this may sound like they're polishing up a turd, but there's more to remote viewing than one might think, all right? That is true. Yeah, there's one, it's not a turd. There's, there's no washing of the turd going on that is clairvoyance, and that's not even a turd either. Clairvoyance is cool. Look into it. So the concept of remote viewing dates back quite a bit. It appeared in early occult and spiritualist literature uh, as the terms telethasia, and traveling clairvoyance. Travel. Traveling. You're going to other places. You're seeing it. You're reporting back. Yeah. Is it's, what it is. It's interesting. It's like a less intense version of uh, astral projection, you know? Pretty much, yeah. You're not, like, leaving, but you're just able to see things that you're not around. Yeah. Uh, it was described in these texts to be the ability to see remote or hidden objects clairvoyantly through the inner eye. Uh, or in an alleged out-of-body travel. So it's sort of in the same realm, but like I said, you're just there. You can talk to people in the room, too, at the same time. But uh, So this concept eventually made its way into the scientific eye, all right? Around the mid-19th century. It kind of makes sense. You know, science is all about mysteries and covering them. Hell yeah, why not? We don't know anything about this. Uh, so when, uh, you know, well-known and respected scientists began conducting studies and experiments surrounding it, you know? It was in the mid-19th century. Among these early scientists were Michael Faraday, who was known for his work in electromagnetism, of course, and uh, Alfred Russell Wallace, best known for his independent... Uh, his in, he independently conceived of natural selection at the exact same time that Darwin did, and their texts were apparently like published alongside one another, which yeah. I didn't know. That was crazy. Darwin just had an easier name to deal with. It was like, oh, Chuck Darwin? That's way easier to remember. Alfred Russell Wallace. It's yeah. a workout for the tongue. AWOL, you know, it's like, come on now. <laughs> come on now, get out of here. But, uh, Sorry, and, buddy. Sorry, Wallace. Yeah. And William Cooks, who was known for his work in spectro spectroscopy. Spectroscopy. <laughs> Maybe? I don't know. Spectroscopy. Yeah, uh, exactly, I know what you're talking about, but that is yeah. a word I, I can't seem to grasp. Yeah, it, it led him to discover an element, which is thallium. So, Ooh. you know, but however, even with such big names in the science community, like I just said, those, those guys are crazy, um, in the science community at the time, showing interest in remote viewing, their tests and experiments, they were often successful. Uh, were more often than not met with skepticism from the rest of the scientific community. So people have kind of been on the fence about this from the beginning. I mean, very clearly, to it makes sense. I, you know, anybody that would be approached and say, hey, I can tell you what's going on in Turkmenistan right now. You're like, oh, how? Like, you know, you're going to like... I mean, now you have phones. I mean, like, how am I going to fact check it? But know? yeah, it's like you know, you're you're like, wait a minute, what do you mean? You know, it's it, it takes a lot of faith as well as a lot of time to make sure that what they're saying is accurate and not just like a fair guess or assumption or coincidence. Yeah. You know, and it seems like a very very convoluted scientific experiment it, almost to kind of like yeah to like organize, especially something that completely adheres to the scientific method yeah. like that's it's insane but you know people were doing it the scientists were interested and the skepticism would last into the early 20th century during which time jb ryan expanded the existing studies 
on the subject uh, to larger populations, so more like, you know, larger groups of people rather than just an individual doing the same thing over and over again. Right, right. But he was hesitant to release his findings in fear of taunting from his scientific peers, those bully-ass nerds. You Fucking know, dorks, man. What can those you dorks say? are ruthless on one another. Uh, basically, remote viewing remained in the fringes of scientific exploration, with most considering it a pseudoscience. Which is kind of fun. That's a, just a fun word to say, if anything else. It is. Um, I have. A, I got a beef with pseudoscience because I don't like. You don't believe in alchemy? I, well, I mean, to, no. But <laughs> I don't like the term. Because it, it it's in the same camp as the word conspiracy theorist. It's like automatically by using that label, you're discrediting the thought. Like even even if you don't realize what you're doing by saying that, you're making it out to be less important than yeah. it should be taken. It's like conspiracy theories in general. It's like me and Grant conspired to make a podcast and. I guess this is proof that the theory is correct. You yep. know, I don't know. It's like like so many things are conspired. To, you can conspire to do anything. Or like... I, I don't know. It, but for some reason, it has this like negative connotation when it comes to like believability. If you... I, I'm going to try... Actually, you know, while Jake keeps talking, I'm going to try to look it up. I'll come back Am to Am I going to keep talking? There are things in pseudoscience that are technically not considered science. Um... But we utilize them as science. So there's ones that we accept, and then there's ones that we laugh at. Isn't like uh, what is it? Acupuncture? Yeah, well, Isn't yeah, that considered pseudoscience. Absolutely a pseudoscience. Um, I'm I'm gonna look that up because I was just I should have wrote that down. I didn't. Give me a minute. Yeah, that's all right. Pull, pull it up. Pull it up. Do some research. In the meantime, it was on the you know pseudoscience. People were considering it that right. That is until around the 1960s, when the counterculture movements and attitudes that came with them kind of softened the severity of the opposition, right? Softened the severity. People are smoking drugs, they're all fucking in the streets, no one's wearing a shirt. Uh, So this was dubbed as the New Age thinking, you know? It was the New Age, crystals and long hair with dreads that are natural. And uh, was housed under the movement called the Human Potential Movement. Which I guess was just a very inward-looking sort of, uh, what's in here? You know? Oh, what's going on here? What's going on in my mind? Uh, this was the revitalization of public interest on consciousness and psychic studies that made it possible for those who wished to pursue it scientifically to do so. So everyone, it was a free-for-all scientifically, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was good. So many uh, studies to come out of this time period were largely unsuccessful, uh, you know, which is kind of disheartening. Uh, though there were those that kept their beliefs alive. And you know who were some of the people that kept the beliefs alive? Who? The U.S. fucking government. Oh, obviously. obviously. Oh, yeah. Do you want me to wait to go into this? Yeah, because I'm going to I'm gonna talk here for a minute, okay? All right. Um, back to the pseudoscience. I know this is a little off topic, but it kind of fits in because... Uh, no, it does, because, I mean, like... Yeah. This is a pseudoscience. Hey, what, it, are we it get, what are we going to talk about if not? Um, so for those of you out there, this might break a couple hearts. You want to know what consider, uh, it's considered a pseudoscience? Massages? Astrology. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Astrology, the study of the stars. That is pseudoscience. It is not technically considered a science. Uh, as Jake mentioned earlier, um, Acupuncture. That it, is oh, it is? Science. I was right. Um, Unlike a, the RV thing. Another pseudoscience is feng shui. You know, have any of you been into that? Isn't it feng shui? The feng shui. Whatever. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I could feng. be correcting you in the wrong direction. I don't even know. No, it's, spe- you're, it's spelled with an E. I, I know it's I, like the flow of energy of a room based on the couch. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the furniture placement Absolutely. or something. Um, also, you have, uh, what, 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 what do they call it? Alternative treatment for cancer. That is a pseudoscience. Was that just like eating whole knobs of ginger? The only thing technically considered scientific as far as cancer treatment goes is chemotherapy and radiation. Any other form of treatment, even things that, you know, can work and have worked, they're not considered scientifically accurate. Oh, like Tommy Chong smoking CBD or whatever? Yeah, so none of that is considered any of that, okay? 
How about that? Well, that is unexpected, honestly. I thought there were alternatives that uh, doctors could, you know, subscribe. Mm, you wanna know prescribe. What, you want to yeah. know what another big one is? Like and subscribe. Actually, we got two big ones, okay? What are they? I'm leading up to it. The biggest one's going to come after this one. Okay. A colon cleanse. The regular run-of-the-mill thing that people do to, like, you know, well, is that just like a, like an enema? Or, sort like, of. or just eating a bunch of, like, green drinks? It, it's all, you know, it's however you want to do it. But, I don't you know, know what people are doing. out the pipes. I've heard of coffee enemas. What does that do? Literally just it's coffee in the asshole. It That's, seems like it's it's way too on the nose of past jokes about coffee. Yeah, no, it is. I don't know. Um, So that one, boom, pseudoscience. You know what else? Detox. If you're, you know, a drug addict, an alcoholic, or maybe not even that. Maybe you smoke cigarettes. Maybe you eat too much. The idea of detoxing is considered pseudoscience because it has no scientific backing that proves it's real or works. So, like, whenever you get a massage and they're like, make sure to drink water or else the toxins will turn into little bugs and crawl out your... Like, what is it, what is it, why do they make you drink water after that? They, say, they always say it's the toxins. Pretty much. So, like, what... What does that mean? Like, what? It's probably just good to be hydrated, right? I mean, I would assume so. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. You want to know? I got. A, I got three. some more pseudoscience. Oh yeah, I got a couple more. This one, interestingly enough, hair analysis. What does that mean? What any you... <laughs> form of scientific study where they analyze human hair to get an answer, whether it be for a drug test or genealogical like lineage, that's a pseudoscience. What? Yeah. But if you pull a hair out at the at the root, it comes up with like a little piece of your DNA. Nope, it's pseudoscience. How is that pseudoscience? It is simply pseudoscience, Jake. How well about then that? what's with all those shampoo commercials with our hair looking like tree trunks and then it gets smooth? Mm-hmm. What's it uh, Is there just pseudoscience all around us and no one's telling us? Yep, and here's the two big ones. Okay. There's more obviously. I'm just picking out like big ones here. Yeah. I'm gonna go uh this one, because it's kind of popular now, fasting. The idea of fasting as far as a diet or for health reasons. Oh, like intermittent fasting? Yep, that is a pseudoscience. That is not scientific in any way other than the fact that it's a pseudoscience. Then why does it work for so many people that do it right? And are you ready for the big one? This is going to make some heads turn. I guarantee it. Chiropractics. Yeah. Why? So a chiropractor <laughs> is not in any way in the scientific field. They're actually on the fringe. I don't he, even understand. Like, you can... Dude, fucking chiropractors have, like, alivened muscles that have long been dead because of, like, lack of use in people. Doesn't matter. Chiropractors have changed people's fucking lives in my life. <laughs> Does not matter. That's insane. It is pseudoscience. It's not real. Um, but th- all this is to say, we're, I know we're getting a little off topic here, but it it's going to come together because the idea of pseudoscience is, I understand, it's something that could potentially be scientific or follow the scientific theory of study, things like that, but it's just it either hasn't been looked at enough to where it's considered tr- a true science, or it's written off as, like, there's no way that that could ever be real. I mean, I guess some of the things that you mentioned, like uh, like fasting and, like, hair, whatever. I, I mean, I, I could see where the scientific community would be like, you know what, there's bigger things we need to be paying attention to right now. Oh, yeah. yeah but yeah. that doesn't necessarily make it not feasible. Exactly. You know, like, so I guess, it, and this, I mean, remote viewing is under the same umbrella as chiropractor-like mm-hmm. shit and, like, yeah. Bunch of the stuff you just said. Yeah. It, it really is. And my point here is that it, the term really turns people off because um, I, I know plenty of people in my life that are very in the camp that like pseudoscience is a joke and we don't need to like concern ourselves with it. And those very people have gone to chiropractors or yep. they read horoscopes or they're, you know, they're they practice like, uh, fasting or yeah. colon cleanse. Like, I'm fasting. It's such a Virgo thing to do. Yeah, like these are things that are all technically pseudoscientific. And the same way conspiracy theories work, there's a lot that are made up. There's a lot of pseudosciences that are ridiculous. I mean, let's face it. But there's also a lot that can either be personally useful or universally 
accepted that we just kind of look past the label. Seems you know? to be now that I know that. Yeah. And it's important to have that mindset with remote viewing because I know you know we've talked about this on the show before about psychic abilities and things like that. And they're very easy to write off, and I'll be the first to admit, I've, I've written off plenty of psychic stories because it's like, oh, that's all bullshit. No, yeah, a lot of, what was that one psychic that y'all went to, they like tried to charge you for each person, even though they were like, $10 readings, and it's like, I'm not getting read, but I'm in your house, and they're like, $10. Yeah, no, we like went, and like, because we went, they had like a deal, and it was like a group reading for like 70 bucks or something. And it was me, Mitch, and Georgie. And we were like, yeah, let's go. It's Saturday fucking afternoon. Let's go check this shit out. So we go there and, like, knock on the door. And the creepy, like, gypsy-looking lady comes out. And she's like, hello? And we're like, yeah, you know, we're here for the group reading. And she, like, looks. And she's like, $90 a person. We were like, what? what? 280 she, bucks to for you to lie to me? Like, Yeah, and she, we were like, Are, what do you mean? And she was like... Oh, that's only for people under 16. And we were like, this bitch is full of shit. We're getting out of here. So we left. We didn't even do it. Is it, is it the, is she still there? Yeah, I think so. Man. I mean, I, I haven't like gone there. Some people but... just buy into it, huh? But and it's very easy. To... And I mean, even my attitude right now, like, yeah, I'm very skeptical of it, but like, it could be, but I just don't want to spend 80 bucks. No, exactly. And I think the, the, the story that you need to understand here before we kind of go into the remote viewing is that I'm going to I'm going to go back to the same thing I said about 9/11, JFK, all of this shit, okay? The government believed it enough to invest time, people and money into it. I believe I saw the number roughly around 20 million dollars. Yes. Yeah, that was yeah, that'll come up in a little bit. Yeah. But, do you want to maybe explain to the nice, friendly people out there listening what exactly happens during remote viewing? Because I just got... It's going to be Project Stargate. Stargate Project. Okay. Uh, from the beginning to the end. But it doesn't really necessarily explain what they're doing. It just kind of explains like what happens to the project itself. Okay. So pretty much what happens in remote viewing... It can be done in many different ways. It's a very personal thing. Um, but it the way it's described is that it's a sixth sense. It is something that uh, at least uh, remote viewers believe that everybody in the world has some form of this ability. Yeah, I watched a couple of videos where pretty much every expert on it was saying, like, it's something that we can all tap into, just few people take it seriously. Yeah, it's sort of, it's it's very akin to uh, musical ability, uh, to yeah. play an instrument. Or, like, the ability to, like, oh, sometimes the, you hear the phone ring and you just know who's on the other end. It's like, you know. Yeah, it's just That there. kind of thing, just some weird intuition. And it's something that people possess, so it's a very personal thing. Um, I watched an interview with a couple different... Uh, proclaimed remote viewers. Uh, one of them actually does have contracts with certain uh, higher-ups in the military and the government, or they did at one point in time. Um, and it's an older interview, so, I mean, this was probably back in the day of Project Stargate or the Aftermath. Are you talking Aftermath. about the, uh, the British guy? Uh, yeah, he was one yeah, of Yeah, dude, I British saw that dude. one. He was like, yeah, it's real popular over in the States, but there's about 30 of them here in the U.K.? yeah. And it, it's very simple, uh, simply described. It's something that they kind of just do. It's very meditative. Uh, it There's no set of rules. It's not like, oh, on the third Tuesday of the month, you have to, you know, light a candle and face this direction. It's literally just like, it's as simple as closing your eyes and processing what's going on. Now, what happens, at least the described theory is that there is some sort of visual beacon. Uh, so typically a person or an animal, something where you can visualize the surrounding area. Um, so in one example, uh, there was somebody that described it as almost as if they could see through the eyes of birds that were flying. Oh, that's badass. Um, kind of like Game of Thrones, like those dudes, they could like look through the birds' yeah, eyes and yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then other people kind of just, I don't want to say the word manipulate, but they use the energy of other people around that area to create an image of what's going on. 
Um, so they're kind of tapping into other people, the people themselves, rather than the the area? Yeah, sort of. Um, it's never perfect. Now, that's one thing we need to understand right now is that it's never a perfect science. Um, there's plenty of examples of people actually getting things correct um, in very weird ways. Um, so one perfect example uh, I don't know if you, this is going to come up later or not, but it was in Project Stargate, and there was an individual that was talking about a nuclear ship from Iran, and it would be traveling the seas within 100 days, and it would either be named like, I don't have the exact name, it was either like the Papua or the Papua, okay? That's, what, that's the information the remote viewer had, and it turns out, that exactly 120 days, so slightly over that timeline, a boat named the Babua left port in Iran. So they weren't incorrect, but they weren't totally correct. I do have one example, like, from Stargate that we can get to later, but, like, it kind of involves something like that. Yeah. But they actually found something that was missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's a couple like that. And it's very interesting. I don't know... um, I don't know if you're planning on touching on, like, the process of how they would weed out the remote viewers or accept, like, the people that do the process. Not necessarily, so go go right ahead. Okay, so this was interesting. This was, in one specific example for Project Stargate, what they would do is they would bring people in, and in order to be considered well-equipped enough to be a remote viewer, you would have to score at least a 65% accuracy rate or above. Now, here's what they would do. They would take people and send them to 12 different locations, right? Yeah. They would keep the remote viewer in a room with somebody there that was not aware of what the location was. They didn't go to the location. Their job was to sit with the remote viewer and write the notes. So they would send out these people to the locations, right? Yeah. And they would they would act as the beacons. So they would go there. They'd look around. They'd, you know look at important things that were in the area, and the remote viewer would describe them to the, uh, what do you call that? The Not the translator. The, transcriber? Yes, the transcriber. Uh, so they would do this for all 12 locations. Describe. Yeah. Yeah. So they would do this for every different location, and then when this was done, they would take the notes, compile them, rearrange them so like it was shuffled, and then they would give them to a third party. This third party would act as the judge, and the judge would get a list of the locations, and he would have to match the transcriptions to which location they were talking about. Damn, that is convoluted. So then the way they would do this is they would do that, then they would take the judges to the location, so that way once it was all done they could read the transcription and see if what the remote viewer saw or believed they saw was actually happening. Okay, Okay. all right. Um, it was not a perfect science, but there were people that scored well above 65% in their mathematical equation. Yeah. They were getting in the high 80s and even 90s. Um, their accuracy rate was incredible. But on the flip side, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't add this. A lot of the things that they noticed were that the they would do this day by day. It wasn't all done at once. So they would do one location per day. Yeah. And they noticed that the location that would happen on the day after another location would follow very similar descriptions to the day previous. So let's say so one of the locations one of the locations was, you know, a public park. And then the next day you were in a graveyard, okay? The public park, you know, you'd have your description and then the graveyard it would have very similar descriptions to the public park. So this led them to believe that instead of remote viewing, it was just very educated guesses. Yeah, just kind of, yeah. Yeah, generic ideas. Just educated guesses. Um, Keeping it vague enough to be technically right. But there were people that could get away with it. There is one example, actually, of a man uh, who it was a very simple test. They literally put him in a room, and then they had a guy in another room and he would just give it, give him like a word. He'd be like, "This is what I'm holding." Be like, "Come quat." But like a description, he'd be like, yeah. "I'm holding this," and then he would, you know, "Oh, is it this?" And 
the one example that I found interesting is the guy was holding a firework. Um, and, you know, the tester was holding a firework. Yeah. And the person uh, that was remote viewing said that it was a drum set. Now, you, th- you a might A drum think, set, not a might, drum stick. You might think this is fucking weird, right? You know, it's weird. It's a horrible guess. <gasps> Loud wrong. banging. It's a cylindrical object that makes a loud noise. That is correct. So oh, it, my God. It, it's, you know, it's touchy. It's not perfect, but it's it's there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, again, the accuracy is a very difficult thing to pin down, but this was sort of a way that they would test to see who has the ability and of those that do, who can really hone in on that and give a solid description of what they want. Yeah. Because if they were able to do that, then, you know, for the nece- the necessities of the project, they would be a huge asset yeah. in the future. And I wouldn't say it's like who has the gift specifically. It's like maybe who has a natural inclination to the gift that exactly. we all have. Because I you think a, quite a few people that are or were very good at it probably didn't know what they were really doing. I did know that about a lot of the testing is that they kept a lot of it secret, like what they were doing. Exactly. Necessarily, they were just kind of like, see if you can do this. And How about that? Interestingly enough, I mean, well, I'll bring this up at the very end. It's not like an important detail for this episode, but there was some bleed over between remote viewing and MK Ultra. Oh, uh-huh. introducing acid into the mix. There was a little bit of bleed over into these two studies to see if it could possibly help in any way. Uh, but that's something we'll get to later. Yeah. So why don't we go ahead? We'll get into Without Project Stargate. Yeah. This is the the meat right here. Yeah. You know, this is the. No, bones. it's true. It it it's kind of frightening. The Stargate Project. It was a secret U.S. military unit established in 1978, whose prime directive was to study and learn everything about and surrounding remote viewing. How did it come to pass? You ask. Money. Sort of. It was it was a rumor. It was a rumor that the U.S. intelligence agencies caught word that the uh, the uh, the Soviet Union was spending sixty million rubles rubles every year on psychotronic research. Give me the rubles <laughs> for the psychotronics, dude. Psychotronic is like one of the coolest words I've ever heard. Electronic, psychotronic, supersonic. <laughs> I was thinking about that that song the other day too. Oh, what a great like... fucking song! <laughs> Wait, what was it? Uh... Find the keys to my space rocket. <laughs> There's no doors. I just lock it. I just it. lock it. <laughs> I don't know what that song actually is, but holy shit, that's if, great. If you're out there, look up those lyrics and see if a cool video of a Russian dude comes You'll up. You'll find it. I, I promise you'll know fun. what we're talking about. It's a real fun time. But no, so yeah, the U.S. heard uh, that uh, Russia, Soviet Union at the time, was spending 60 million rubles every year on psychotronic research, which is the projection of sound and thoughts into people's brains using electromagnetic radiation, radar, and surveillance techniques. Yes. They heard this was happening. They were like, hey, wait a minute. (laughs) Hey, Uh, wait a a (laughs) second. Hey, hang on. Uh, It was also through the grapevine that they were getting results. Uh, It was also heard through the grapevine that they were getting results, okay, which sparked the CIA to begin funding a program of their own, which they called Scanate. S-C-A-N-A-T-E, and apparently it was scanned by coordinates. That sounds like some shit out of like a a 1980s John Carpenter sci-fi movie. It just reminds me of Scanners, like, you know? Yeah, a little bit. And Chopping Mall for some reason. Remember that movie? Okay, yeah, that's a good one. Chopping Mall, if y'all are out there, look up that too. That's a a doozy. That's a great, that's just a good ride all around. It really is. You will not be disappointed. Yeah. A few years later, uh, the two men I mentioned earlier who coined the term, Targ and Putov, uh, they gained the attention of the U.S. Department of Defense. All right. With their tests garnering a minimum of 65% success rate, which that makes me suspicious of what you said earlier, because you said people who participated in it needed a sixty-five percent or more yeah. rate to even that was like, how, that was participate the pretty much. That was the threshold. It makes me think what I was reading may have been worded a bit strangely. No, you are correct. Uh, it, it, it was sixty-five percent success rate in that, that's, the things themselves. That's what they were looking for. That that was pretty much in so many words, at least what I understood. That was the number they needed to get the funding. 
Yeah. Like anything below that, it was not worth paying for the project. But if they could get that, it was like, okay, we have we have. Yeah, it's like sixty five percent. How could the Department of Defense resist? Yeah. yeah. So that that's how I understood it, at least. Well, unfortunately, soon after signing their contract with the government, an individual that the two men were working with, an illusionist and magician, Yuri Geller, Chris Angel. <laughs> I w- he was basically him. He was like a TV personality bending spoons and shit. Dude, did <laughs> wait, wait a minute, wait. So he was found to be a fraud by government investigators, and Targ and Putov lost their contract. So basically the U.S. government was like, we have to investigate this illusionist and magician. And they were just like, oh, he's not even, he, he's, a, he's a fucking fraud. Dude, like, yeah, a he's an illusionist. illusionist and a magician. You thought he was really doing this stuff? If you could dupe the government with your magic abilities, like you are yeah. the man. Like as far as I know, he wasn't even like a propose. Like I don't know, like uh, bringing any numbers or statistics about the findings of these two other dudes to the table or anything. They're just like Yuri Geller is a fucking liar. <laughs> it's like yeah, he's a fucking magician. <laughs> Good for fucking him, dude. That, I respect that but they, shit. But they lost their contract. They needed to, honestly, at the end of the I day. I mean, it, it didn't kill the project because, you know, uh, a success to come from the project, actually, during the time that it, before it was canceled, you know, a success to come from the project while it lasted was the location of a lost Soviet spy plane. Yeah. All right, so some woman, she was like, it's over here. And it was. Can you believe yeah, that? Yeah, no, she was fucking good. They, at least what I read, they said she. It didn't have the exact spot, but it was within like fifteen miles. Yeah, I unfortunately didn't write down her name, which I'm very sorry for. I don't even know if I got the name. She I might even be alive now, and I could apologize to her in person if she wants to come on the show. Yeah, maybe you'll listen to this and you'll be like, "Hey, that was me." You know, maybe before next week, I'll just I'll just find the name and I'll put it somewhere in next week's episode. Yeah, you'll figure it out. You'll be like, what are they talking about this lady? You're like, oh, yeah, the yeah. Russian uh, spy yeah, plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they found the plane before they got canceled, but they got canceled because Yuri's a magician and he's a liar. Only a year later, in 1977, the government hadn't lost their interest in the subject and launched the Gondola Wish program. Yep. Gondola Wish. What a funny name! That's that's a visual name right there. It that's sounds like just... a weapon in like a fuck in like Skyrim or something. Sort of, but it also just sounds super romantic with like an Italian singing to you in a striped shirt. Yeah, like a nice uh, operatic song while you're on a cute yeah, date. It's like, you know? Isn't this great that there's a third person here and we're being so touchy feely right now? Nice cheese, maybe. Some, I never uh, understood nice, that. A nice Venice breeze. Nice wine that's older than your grandparents. Oh yeah, that's how you know it's good. Oh, it'll bankrupt you. That shit's gross. It's so good. It's I awful. like it, but yeah, I would never spend the money. The goal. Of this program, the Gondola Wish program now, uh, was to evaluate potential adversary application of remote viewing. So they're like, all right, yeah, we we canceled that contract because it's, it's worthless. But we still need to, you know, figure out if our opponents are using it. So we have to, you know, be prepared. So it was just an excuse to keep the the research going, it sounds like. Yeah, pretty much. Wouldn't you say? Use your sky balls and tell me if you can see anything over there. That's pretty much... Sky balls. That's pretty much what the test was, you know? Yeah, yeah. Another year later, in 1978, this program had its name, ch- its name changed. And this is the best name that they came up with. Grill Flame. Yep, that's my favorite. <laughs> it's fucking Billy Mays ass shit. It's not like, even like a good name. It's like fucking. It's like, <laughs> it's like Dale Gribble and Hank Hill came up with a fucking government name. Uh, yeah, like, like the name for the end of days, just like a collaboration. Operation Grill Flame. <laughs> okay. Cool. Uh, yeah, and it was formalized. So now, now it was in a building. Like they had, they had, a, they had an office now. Buildings two five six zero and two five six one at Fort Meade in Maryland. Is it Meade? It's M E A D E. Yeah. Is it is it Meade or Mede? No, it's Fort Meade. Meade. That's how I have. Meade. That's how I've always heard it pronounced. Meade. Eh? Well. Um, so in 1979, the program began finding its footing, right? So it was, everything was going pretty well doing the things that you mentioned earlier and researchers and their work from the Stanford research Institute, which is where the two original dudes, uh, Putoff and the other man oh, yeah. came from, 
Uh, they were being integrated in. So, like, their peers and stuff, they're like, come on, work for the government. And they were like, oh, yeah. This went on for years. All right. So, and in 1983, the name changed again. This time to INSCOM Center Lane. Oh. <laughs> INSCOM. <laughs> And in 1984, investigative journalist Jack Anderson, uh, who's apparently a very well-known journalist, I didn't know until I was doing this, and I looked at him, I like looked him up, and I was like, Jesus Christ! Like people love this guy. He was a great journalist. Uh, he was made privy to the secret program and ran a story on it, right? Because that's okay. what they do, those journalists. Uh, this was not looked on favorably by the National Academy of Sciences National Research Center. Long ass name, and uh, funding was cut the next year. Oh, again, but still the interest remained resolute. All right, the program was again renamed as Sunstreak, which Ooh. just makes me think of being a young child with streaks in my underwear. Okay, perfect. And was now being funded by the DIA's Scientific and Technical Intelligence Directorate. Ooh. All right, so funding's going coming from all these different places. The name's changing a million times. It, they're still they they love it. They can't get enough of this remote viewing. They want to know, but okay, not but by 1991, the security was altered from special access program to limited dissemination, and then had its name changed again for the final time to Stargate. All right, so this is the Stargate product project. Fuck, oh yeah, Stargate operations. They continued up until 1995, when the defense appropriation bill was passed, uh, sending all of its, uh, you know, iterate. Wait, wait a minute. Sending uh, Project Stargate to be reviewed by the DIA and the CIA, who concluded that the program, in all its iterations, had not produced a practical use or result in all of its operation basically the american institute for research reported that no remote viewing report was ever it never provided any actionable information for any intelligence operations yeah so it was useless basically and over that time the many decades they roughly spent about 20 million dollars yes. which is not a lot of spending Government wise, it's not no, it doesn't but it's still a lot of money. It when in theory, remote viewing is free. You know, it doesn't take money to do it. You just it's go true. for it. Do you know that that movie, The Men Who Stare at Goats? Yeah, or the book first, but then the movie that's mm. more campy. Yeah, it's it involves this. Oh, it involves Stargate. Okay, okay, All right? isn't that fun? I've never seen that movie, but I remember George Clooney staring at a goat, and it falls over in the in the preview. Yeah, no, I do remember that. And that's all I needed, really. I The thing, if you're going to take away anything from what we've said thus far in the episode, it's very important to note the CIA's results of Project Stargate. Yeah, they're um, just like, you didn't, we didn't do anything. The CIA has openly admitted that it produced no valid results and that it was squashing the project because they couldn't get anything out of it. Now, if we know anything about the CIA, it's that they are 100% transparent, and they share all of their information with everyone in the United States. Oh, yes, of, of course, definitely 100%. They have no qualms about sharing any of their information. Obviously, this is all horrible sarcasm, because the CIA <laughs> is the most fucking... <laughs> despicable, covert, evil fucking group that America has ever created. and There's literally nothing you can trust from them. Pretty so. much anything <laughs> of value that they have or they were able to get their hands on will never be shared with us because it's of value to them. Yeah. So And that, any information to come from them that seems secret is probably just inaccurate versions of the thing that's true. Exactly. So it's <laughs> a look, very like fucking Blink one eighty two man talking about aliens with all the officials behind him. It's like he's probably just saying what they told him, which is just not correct. Yeah, exactly. It's but it bullshit. is happening. It's, it's all so bullshit. Confusing. It stirs the pot, it gets people interested. And the thing with remote viewing is that it's it's not a simple thing to look at. It's not, I mean, I'm not going to say that, you know, like ghost hunting or cryptid hunting, things like that, they're not simple either. But 
those are both fields where you get tangible evidence after a successful go. Yeah. You know, remote viewing, you really don't because even in the example of the woman finding the Russian plane, um, it's like within coordinates of 15 miles. Yeah, like I think that that is absolutely insane. Like I It's it's fucking bonkers. I think that especially the fact that that is a true fact, um it's, you know, it's a reviewable piece of evidence that we could say we had no idea where this was and this lady literally was just one day it was like, "Oh yeah, it's right here." And she found it. Yeah, that that very easily could be coincidence, and I'm not going to try to argue people that believe that, but that's the most tangible proof we can get is somebody doing that or providing details of that. Yeah. Um, and it it's very sticky. It's very muddy. That's why we called it soupy, because it's impossible to pinpoint hey, this person can do it, or this can't. It's the forbidden porridge. But the simple truth is this. Whether you believe in remote viewing or not, um, the government spent $20 million in roughly 30 years looking into the, looking into people that could do it, trying to find people that could, and even using information they gathered from it in order to make decisions and you know operate missions. Yeah, I'm trying to find this woman's name right now. Oh, yeah, you I, keep going. I need to find it. You keep going, and I'm, I'll, I'll blurt it out when I find it. Perfect. Um, Rosemary Smith. I found it immediately. <laughs> that was it's almost scary. It was Rosemary Smith, a young administrative assistant recruited by the project director, Dale Graff. There you go, Rosemary she Smith. She found it, the spy plane, I mean. So the thing here is that it's, you know, like I just said, it's impossible to prove any of this correct, but... In order to understand the interest we had in remote viewing and probably still do, it's important to look back in history. And I know people get, for some reason, I don't know if that happened in the other generations as well, people really don't like the idea of like, well, that's just how it was. People really hate that nowadays. People, oh, yeah. Well, I feel like that's a relatively modern thing, what with people... Trying to not actively be racist and things. Yeah, yeah. I mean that definitely uh, doesn't help the situation. Yeah, I feel like before that everyone was like, "Yeah, we're just we're just looking for the next day, really." And I think in order to completely understand it, you have to get into that mindset of it was a different time. I mean, we were genuinely afraid of Russia. Everybody was spying on everybody. Yeah, and it was almost. The part that I find crazy about the espionage thing of, you know, the Cold War was that it was pretty internationally accepted because everybody was already aware that they were doing it too, you know? Yeah, because it was kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, they're spying on us. We have to spy back. Yeah. And then, it just, yeah. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's we like... weren't pissed off that, you know, Russian spies might be infiltrating because we had American spies that were trying to do the same thing over there. Yeah. So it's like, it was this weird, untrustworthy time period where everybody was just fighting for a leg up, whether it be in nuclear weapons, uh, information, technology, whatever yeah. it is. I mean, they were. Give you an inch. Yeah, dude, everyone was fucking terrified in America. They had, like, red scare shit. Like, I'm pretty sure my dad, it was either my dad or my grandparents. I don't think it was my grandparents. That was too far back. But my dad, like, remembers going through, like, bombing, like, fucking drills where you just get under your desk. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was just like, yeah, if Russia comes, you know, it's like, well, that's probably won't save you, huh? It's like, it might, I don't know, stop a piece of brick from crushing your skull, but it's not going to save your life. Red Dawn didn't help the movie. No, that movie ruined people. (laughs) Wolverines! Wolverines! And now Josh Peck is in there Uh, in the remake. I haven't seen the remake, but, you know. We don't talk about that. Red Scare. But um, this led to remote viewing getting such a stronghold in the in the CIA and the government all there because it was it was the forbidden technology. It was the shit that yeah. no one else could have, and you could literally, without leaving the comfort of you know your base or your office or your home, you could get the answers you needed. You could find the secrets. You could get the details. 
if done correctly. Yeah. So the idea that they spent so much time and energy on it, it makes sense from a historical standpoint. I guess, yeah. I mean, a lot more money has been put into a lot stranger things. Oh, yeah. You know? And, I mean, I think the way to put it... Now, to be fair, I didn't live through the Cold War, so I'm not saying that this is a fair assessment. Okay? All right. But for the more, you know, recent community, for people that are, you know... The newer generation, they they have no familiarity with that. A good way to compare this would be the way people feel about the government now, where they feel very untrustworthy. No matter what they do, they're against it. Like they're very just o- opposition to the government. Yeah. It picture that, but it's on a global scale. Every government feels that way about every other government. Yeah. Um. That's the world. That's what was happening. And the only way to protect yourself against that was to get the information you needed to survive. Yeah. The the entire world was crossing the street when they saw the rest of the world coming at them the other way. Pretty much. You know? And remote viewing. What's interesting, though, is even though it was written off as, you know, not real or not substantial, whatever you want to call it, whatever they labeled it as... It's still used today on a very small scale. I mean, it's used in police investigation. Um, I'm sure that the it's government... It's met with, like, a shit ton of skepticism every time, but sometimes it pays off. Oh, absolutely. You know, like, that, that one guy that I, I said I watched the same video as you, like, that older dude talking about it. Yeah, the guy from uh, yeah. the UK. Dude, he apparently... All his contracts for his ability to do, like, remote viewing, most of them come from the U.S., yeah. And like he he talks about that. He's like, yeah, they just they they give me coordinates and I go in front of a table that doesn't have anything on it and I just the like light starts to kind of form into shapes and I report back and yeah, I get money. Exactly. Badass. And it it's happening on a very small scale um and yeah, like that guy, I'm sure I'm I would be willing to bet money that the US government still uses remote viewers in some capacity. Oh, of course. Um, definitely not to the level they did uh, back through the like the 70s through the 90s. But it still happens. I mean, it's it, you can't write it off. Because even if it's fake, you can't deny that when they're right, they're right. And, you know, it's like they're going to use that information. There's something to it. I oh, mean, absolutely. it's been around long enough and been prevalent enough. And recently enough, honestly, by our own fucking government, the early 90s, the mid-90s. Yeah, and like, something come on. that I find intriguing, uh, and the reason that I tend to believe in the idea of remote viewing is because even though it's, when you call it remote viewing, it feels very robotic and scientific. I honestly thought, when you said, like, dude, we should do an episode on remote viewing, I thought you were talking about, like, the FBI looking at us through the fucking cameras on our computers that'd be cool that's what i thought you were talking about and then i looked it up i was like oh yeah it's it's weirder somehow (laughs) in a way but it's not like a western thing i mean this has been throughout mankind you always you know hear things read stories in the history books there's people that they were just the seers or you know the fortune tellers yeah the soothsayers yeah they were always prevalent they had this weird intuition to where they could, you know, predict future events or, you know, say something and then this would come true. Yeah, kill your dad, marry your mom. You know? the, yeah, they had this weird fucking energy about them. And people liked that. Like, they really liked that. And even now it's interesting to people. So the fact that it is still popular and was so popular not that long ago, it's not very weird it's not foreign i mean it's something that's it's something that's still impressive when done well but it's mm-hmm. more just you know understood it, i feel like a good comparison would be it's it's like a lot of the uh interviewees of nardwar they're just like how the fuck did you know that yeah a little you bit. know it's like how do you know these things well you have it physically here you know it's like just that kind of bewilderment yeah when exactly. it's correct it's like it Nardwar, I don't think, is a remote viewer, but... He could be. He very well could be. Maybe we could ask him that. We don't know. When we call him after this. And I think it's fair to say, uh, in the wind-down of this episode here, I think it's very, very fair to say that remote viewing 
can be real. I agree. Um, it's been utilized in the past uh, by our very own government here in the States. Even though the most uh, notoriously lying part of the government said that it didn't. Oh, yeah. That's how you know it's true. That's and how you it's know. probably real. They, they were like levitating fake. bitches. It was like Stranger Things up in that shit. It could have been. We never know. Eleven? Are you kidding me? And it's it's just something that it, it's very weird because, like we said, you know, in the earlier parts of this episode, there's no way to prove that it's real just as much as there's no way to truly disprove that it's fake. Or wait, that it's real. No, it's, if disprove that Hang it's on. fake, would prove it's real. <laughs> I said that all back. You can't prove it's real, can't prove it's fake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, there that's we what go. I meant. You're consistent. I think, it, at least in my humble opinion as the co-host of this show, remote viewing can be and is real and is practiced daily in the world. And... Maybe one day it will be uh, a little bit more tangible. You know? I also think this as my humble opinion as the co-host of this show. Well, you made it sound like I have you chained up or something. Like I am also here, Grant. I listen. I, I agree. I'm going to repeat. It's, I don't have him chained up, guys. It's fine. He's here on his own free yeah, will. Yeah, you let me go every Friday to do the show. He's free to to do his business. <laughs> to massage his wrists from the shackles. It's and... fine. He won't be in that much pain. We have plenty Not of Not that lubricant. much. Yeah, I actually got a full loaf of bread this week. Oh, yeah. So. We gave him the good... I mean... It's he, a little wet. They peed in it. purchased but... the good French bread. <laughs> oh, good. Cut up the roof on my mouth. It's perfect. Navi pees on me daily. Well, that's just, He's you know, biting my ankles. That's what he does. I think anyway. with that being said, that's our episode. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. Remote viewing. How about that? What do you think about that? I think it's pretty close to what they tried to portray uh, Lorraine Warren doing in the most, uh, what was it, the Amityville case? Which movie was that? Yeah, or at no, the beginning. The, the devil made me do it when she's like in the woods. Oh, that like one too. That. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. even in the one with that for Amityville, it was like she was walking through the house doing it. Yeah, it's like you know, clairvoyance like, in a way. It's similar. Yeah, but yeah, uh, uh, remote viewing, isn't that insane? Yeah, it's premonition is another, it'd be a decent synonym for it. Synonym. That would be a good way to put it, almost. Synonymous. But yeah, so that is our episode for the week, guys. For the week, you guys. You can follow us on all this shit. We got Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and we have an email. It's startacult at gmail.com. Give us any of your complaints or maybe adulations. I don't know what you want to say to us, but you can say it. At yep. startercult at gmail.com. There's also a link below uh, for Patreon where you can hear me and Grant talk about whatever the fuck every two weeks. Kind of like this, but it's more just us talking. Yeah, it's more and, laid uh, back and yeah, chill. Talk about work, talk about COVID, talk about just whatever. Baseball things. Who knows? Yeah, whatever's going but, on uh, in the world that day is what we're talking about. Oh, and YouTube. We're on YouTube. I was looking through some of our YouTube shit. Yeah. Man, we got some positive ass comments, dude. Thank you all, whoever you are. Yeah, I tried to reply very, back very nice. to most of the YouTube comments. There may be a couple that I missed. Um dude, I'm not sure how the Finders episode The Finders like all of our episodes on YouTube have like maybe like a, an average of like seven, eight views. Yeah, the YouTube the is Finders dead for us. has over a thousand. We're just like, what the fuck happened? Yeah, I don't know. Everyone how, loves the Finders. How did that occur? But God damn it, do we love you guys? God you're fantastic. Damn it, do we love you? So yeah, go over there on YouTube, subscribe. If you're like YouTube, and subscribe. If you're a YouTube viewer, if that's where you like to see our show, start commenting, start interacting. Uh, you know, we I will check it. Uh, you know, I we'll go say on your there. name. We'll say we love you. Yeah, we will because I, we do. I'll check it out. You know, I go on. I I had gone on there at least on the page because it was like I don't really look at it. I didn't even know if I should trust you that it existed. I was just like I haven't seen any of this, but then I looked at it and I was like, oh, it's there. Yeah, and if you ever log in, that's I use that as my personal YouTube. Yeah, I could tell by the suggested. So all the suggested <laughs> it, suggested videos are like my personal YouTube things. Yeah, it's a and lot of camping with Steve and uh, memes. Yeah, <laughs> it's mostly that. Yeah, I do a lot of that. Um, Weird. They've been throwing movies at me. They're like, "Watch this movie." I'm like, "I don't really." Want I don't want to watch that on YouTube. But uh, yeah, so we are active on all of our sites that we utilize. Uh, We're firing on most cylinders. Instagram and YouTube and our email. Are Those are the biggest ones. Definitely the quickest, easiest ways to interact with us. Twitter's dead. 
but it's still there. You can go there. Twitter's dead. Facebook's pretty you know, much dead. Yeah. Facebook's like, it was made. Facebook is connected like, to our Insta, so it's just pictures and the posts from Instagram. Yeah, and it's so. like Facebook really was only created because it's like just part of the world. It's like, oh, if you it's have like if this, you, you have, have something you're starting, like, yeah, you have to have that. It's like, yeah, we, I don't think I've looked on our Facebook page in months. No, I mean, but the, I mean, yeah, like the only reason you have one is to start something. The only reason I've ever had one my entire life past the age of 12 is because I've had a band, a podcast, and then another podcast. There you <laughs> so, go. You got to have an activity, you know? You have to stay prevalent. But yeah, so we will be back, as always, with a brand That's new true. episode we'll be back for you guys. next week with something cool like this one. Enjoy yourselves. Stay warm. It's cold by us. It's very, very cold. It's, there's no temperature. Zero out there. Yeah, so definitely try and stay warmer uh, this week if you have to deal with that. Start a fire. And if you're somewhere where it's warm uh, year-round, go fuck yourself, because uh, I'm jealous of you, so... yeah. I don't. I love you still, but if you have something to say you. to Grant because of that, email us. Yeah, start, tell start me. A cult at gmail. Tell me something, bro. Come on, fight me. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that's Grant. I'm Jake. We are starting a cult. Bye. Goodbye. Bananas. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.